재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Do you know what time it is? 분당 rather than 탈당, which would be a split versus a defection. Uh, this new party is uh, trying to deem, uh, kind of portray a reform uh, conservative image, which is why that they chose that name. Uh, they say they will be uh, strong on national security. Uh, they will be maybe even a little more progressive than uh, some of the other uh, liberal parties in terms of welfare and economic policy. How is that going to affect uh, the political situation, especially the uh, what is looking like early presidential races and also this uh, entire political chaos that we've been witnessing over the past few months in regards to uh, the president, her impeachment and her close associate to Chesunshil and all of the allegations that surround it are... Analysis tonight being brought to you by our good friend from Hanguk University of Foreign Studies, Law Professor Huang Jong-ok. Professor Huang, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you have become uh, quite uh, uh, favored and uh, well-beloved political commentator for our program. Now it's just the way things work. You know, you can't, you don't make yeah, the news. You, you, so. you, you, <laughs> you actually cover the news, and so that's what we're doing. Twenty-nine lawmakers. Originally, there was a list of around thirty-four, thirty-five right. uh, mm-hmm. that declared that they would leave the party. We saw some. Uh, I, I suppose uh, cold feet at the time. Mm-hmm. A certain offic- uh, certain lawmakers had certain reasons. Um, one being that okay, let's uh, look at In Myungjin. He seems a little different from the uh, typical pro park uh, kind right. of flavor, and let's see what kind of reforms we have. And these constituencies also have their own voices, particularly in the uh, uh, Gyeongsang, the Yeongnam regions, and they might have had some hesitancy there. And then the uh, one of the bigger uh, anti park uh, uh, members, which was uh, Na Gyeong One, having sure. a little mm-hmm. bit of problems. With with some of the policy platforms uh, allegedly being uh, decided upon with this new party. Give us your overall view of what happened today. I mean, if you think about the impeachment vote, there were at least about 60-plus votes that voted for impeachment within the Sanri party. That's basically how the math works out. So, I mean, that's sort of the roughly the number of potential non-park or anti-park faction National Assembly lawmakers. And as you said, 35 of them actually made a statement. So I think we can see the, uh, you know, the new party being formed with the current number being 29. It could grow as, as high as 60. We'll see. I mean, there's a... One big factor playing into all this is uh, economics, basically. The Sanri party is quite wealthy. 
And if you actually break off from Sunway Party, you cannot take any of that assets with you. So I think uh, some of the uh, lawmakers might be concerned about how the new party will be financed. There is that aspect. There is a government subsidy that does go on. And so that has affected both parties. Uh, Senate will receive a little bit less because their numbers have shrank. And and this party will receive some, especially in the lead up to elections and and what have you. Uh, That that concern so certainly is real, especially with these. uh, And that's the income part. I'm talking about just existing assets. Right, real real estate and all that stuff. I mean, I mean, if you leave the party, you, you take none of those assets with you. So obviously, even if you get the uh, subsidy from the government, you need to, you know, you need to lease okay. the office and so forth. So it's going to be, you know, kind of a shoestring budget for the new party. I don't want to get too much in the weeds of this, but what a, a couple of weeks back when they were discussing mm-hmm. the party split, uh, Kim Musang, the former chairman, did say that we don't want this dirty asset. This is a relic of the old <laughs> kind of chebel, kind of government uh, dirty links that were around. So we want to, we want a fresh start. If we're going to stay in the party, right. we demand the party actually give those assets back to the government posturing or very sincere care about the people well you know you be the judge and you know they're also arguing that it is the uh, pro-park faction that should actually leave the party not the uh, other way right. around so you know in which case the the anti-park faction would have ended up with the assets so you know you do the math it's an interesting kind of dynamic here because uh, the pro-park faction now, I guess with the Myungjin, they're trying to project a reformist image. It's, it's a very difficult kind of task to do. Uh, one of their uh, former right. Supreme Council members, uh, Cho Won-jin, coming out and basically saying, um, you guys who are leaving the party, you guys think you're reformists. Uh, there are Chebel heads among you. There are sons of former National Assembly members among your faction. So you guys are actually the real elites and entrenched establishment types. And so you leaving really proves nothing. And so, again, I suppose it will depend on how the, the public takes this, uh, yep. whether they really feel sincerity in what these people are claiming to be reformists. But there is sort of a, a big lottery prize at the end of this, uh, Professor Huang, and that is the uh, impending arrival of the outgoing UN Secretary General, Pang Ki-moon. He is set to, um, I guess, mulling his options. He's certainly getting a lot of, as we call it in Korea, love calls, right? right. Uh, We've got the People's Party that wants him on their side. We've got this uh, uh, new block of conservatives that want him. And we have the existing Henry Party that maybe their hopes are fading, but they would still like him to be back into the the fold. Um, Or he might try to build his own little... I guess outside political coalition and then try to form alliances, which is again another option, seems very difficult. But if you were Pang Ki Moon and you looking at the situation, what do you think he's trying to think through? Well, I mean, obviously his goal is to become the next president, and the obvious the rival that he has to beat it would be Moon Jae in, and basically has to think about like how can I maximize my chances, and there, and uh, which means that how can I you know maximize my sphere of influence, and I, I guess the best chance for him is to probably combine the People's Party as well as the new Reform Conservative Party, and you know basically that means convincing Yoo Seung Min and An Cheol Soo that that Han Ki Moon is actually the 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 most likely candidate to be the Moon Jae-in. I mean, that's a tall order to convince those guys. But I guess if if he manages that, then he could become, you know, the serious challenger to Moon Jae- the current front runner, uh, Moon Jae-in. So as it stands right now, then, I, I think you're, you're laying out that 
if you have A, B, C, D as the multiple choice options, mm-hmm. going to Henry would be the death knell. I mean, that just is is not yeah, going to be I mean, a feasible plan. Right now, plan I think the name Park Geun-hye is such a radioactive right. name that I think you just want to be distance yourself as much as possible. And even Ban Ki-moon has kind of slammed hard okay. on uh, Park Geun-hye recently. So I think he basically ruled that out. And the the second option you're saying is not also feasible is that he cannot go solely and say I'm gung ho loyal to this one party, which right. would be the new, I suppose, reform conservative party. Just casting your lot with them won't necessarily also get it done. Exactly. So what what you have to look at is this this new reform conservative party and the People's Party. Can they you know join together? And there have been some signals that they actually do want to join up, but at the same time there's been some you know uh, voices that were. Uh, dissenting. Uh, for example, Yoo Seung-min recently stated that he can work with An su but he just cannot see himself working with Park Ji-won. And obviously, those two are the biggest names within the People's Party. So, I mean, how these dissenting voices can be really combined is an open question, but obviously to challenge the the Minju Party, uh, Moon Jae-in and the Minju Party, the most likely uh, the, the candidate from that party, I think, is to combine the forces between the, the People's Party and the new Conservative Party. A lot of people are hearkening back to the 1990s when uh, we keep talking about the Che Samji there, right? When yep. we had these two major opposition coalitions, one led by Kim Jong-pil at the time representing sort of the Chungcheong region and That's then right. Kim Young-sam, uh, kind of a conservative but also democracy advocating a block mm-hmm. of uh, people mostly from the Gyeongsang yep. region. Teaming up with the old guard militaristic regime party of the Chandwan and then subsequently right. No Tae Woo, uh, it it worked. It, yep. it, it resulted in the election of No Tae Woo and then subsequently uh, Kim Young Sam as president. It just seems like I mean, it, from an outside observer who looks at politics and maybe from an ideological lens, it just doesn't make sense. We're looking at a similar situation here too because there are obviously um, differences in let's say North Korea policy, national security policy, uh, even let's say welfare policy, even though this uh, conservative bloc says they're going to be very uh, progressive on that. And these unwieldy and very old sort of political rivalries that have occurred, including Park yep. Ji-won, who's a former chief of staff of Kim Dae-jung, and then An Cho-su, who was kind of a, an opposition figure and now sort of leaning towards trying to portray a more centrist right type of form. I, if it's all under the banner of constitutional reform, uh, runoff elections, uh, forming a mm-hmm. coalition against these uh, um, name identity politics, all just to try and destroy Moon Jae-in or just prevent him from getting into the exactly. blue house. Yep. I mean, how, how feasible a coalition is this? Well, I think, as you mentioned, I think this anti-Moon Jae-in sentiment, I think that's a pretty powerful common denominator. I mean, obviously the current People's Party was formed precisely because they didn't like Moon Jae-in as well as the so-called pro-Nomuyan faction within the Minju Party. So that's why the People's Party was formed. So I think that's so the anti-Moon Jae-in sentiment is pretty strong in the party. On the, uh, the Reform Conservative Party, I mean, they sort of want to preserve their conservative movement as a political force in the Korean politics, which means that they really don't want Moon Jae-in to come to power. And I think in that sense, their interests kind of coalesce and overlap. And certainly, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it will be a difficult scenario. I, I give them about 50-50 chance with, with, whether they can unify or not. But I think it is plausible that just based on the anti-Moon Jae-in sentiment, they could come together. So your, your I suppose, assertion is that this dislike, this disdain yep. for Moon Jae-in 
is strong enough among these groups, including exactly. the Conservative Part and this uh, People's Party, that they can overlook some of the other uh, kind of unwieldy and sort of uh, kind of awkward possible, differences right. to form a co- cohesive coalition. Because think about the alternative. Suppose that they cannot coalesce together, then it will be a three-way race, right? right? In which case, the Moon Jae-in, I think, will be uh, beating them handily in a plurality, which is why they're actually talking about, you know, constitutional change, uh, change and have to a delay runoff, the uh, kind of election and so forth, which actually they need to actually change the constitution, which they don't have the time for. And there's a whole di- discussion going on. So I think anti-Moon Jae-in sentiment basically is pretty right. strong in both. And parts. the glue that bonds that all is Pan Ki-moon. That's right. Uh, it's a one glue that, that that's okay. know, it's a plausible card and it's a card that can potentially beat Moon Jae-in. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly they're looking at it as a common And Senuri, in no other possible equation in what we've been talking about, can be a part of this for them to have any credibility with the public unless they can mask this in a way that can right. kind of fool people into thinking. I mean, somehow that means rehabilitation of President Park Geun-hye and under okay. current circumstances, I just cannot... Kind of imagine what scenario that mm. President Park Geun-hye can recover her approval. I mean, her approval rating is what in, in you know in single digits right now, right? And so they'll have to make make sure that she get, gets back to so called a concrete level, which used to be about thirty percent. I just don't see how right. suddenly twenty five percent of Koreans will suddenly support President Park Geun-hye in the next three four months. There is a group of ten odd uh, remaining senator members from the Chungcheon region who have indicated they will. Just basically follow the exactly. wind of where Pang Gi-moon goes. Yep. So if he goes to that other party, they will also likewise yep, also pull right. from the uh, Senate party as well. So uh, just with Pang Gi-moon, recently, and, and we've talked about being a guy who's widely respected, kind of the name brand value of him, which is a, a large reason why his polling numbers have been so good up till now, uh, even after kind of announcing that he was really leaning strongly towards a presidential run. He's now back in first place in some yep. recent polls. But uh, the vetting hasn't really been underway. Uh, exactly. It has started yep. now. Certainly some uh, very uh, disturbing allegations raised against him in Shisa Journal about Pagyan Cha and the um, kind of donations he's received. Uh, not clear also on what the uh, Sangwan Jong affair, uh, the uh, late uh, chairman who uh, had a list of people that he apparently had uh, illicit ties with, including, I guess, uh, Pang Ki-moon's name surfacing there as well. Uh, how well he handles that? Because up till now, I think throughout his entire professional life, he's not really had to deal with that level of scrutiny. And, and that's still a question mark, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's never really had a political career. He's always been a lifelong bureaucrat. And even, you know, the Secretary General of the UN is sort of a bureaucratic position, so he really hasn't been tested politically. So it will be interesting to see how he handles it. I mean, he's been he's proven himself to be a very capable bureaucrat, and I guess that's sort of an oxymoronic you know, to say that you know he he knows how to navigate through big organizations. But being a politician is a little different different than that. So how many how much of those skills that he has picked up from the Korean Foreign Ministry as well as the UN will you know, poured over to the Korean political world, as you said, I think is an open question. Yeah, I, I do feel there's this sort of shiny new toy aspect of Korean politics everyone <laughs> is drawn to. I mean, they look at the polling numbers, they look at his name brand value. The same and with An Chol Su, right? An Chol Su, Jung Won these guys from the past who had this, oh, well-respected exactly, outsider yeah. figure, he's going to shake things up and do stuff, and they poll very well, but once you kind of get and scrutinize and, and, and look right. at it, We'll see. I mean, I mean, I, we'll I guess see. people feel this is this is different because of the fact that uh, I guess, as you say, a large uh, percentage of the uh, p- political class would like to make sure that Moon Jae-in does not become president. Right. So the mm-hmm. effort will definitely be there. Uh, let's shift gears. Talk about what's been going on with the uh, 
presidential scandal. Uh, the uh, lawmakers, uh, we had some now more details coming out about this attempt at going to the uh, Tresenshield Detention Center and trying to get a face-to-face meeting. They did get a face-to-face meeting. Uh, she had no, of course, uh, legal mandate required that she had to attend in terms of uh, answering questions. Uh, truth. I mean, there are quasi-legal ways to, to, I guess, compel her to tell the truth, but uh, not enough to the extent that uh, she is necessarily ha- going to be compliant. And she wasn't necessarily compliant. Right. I mean, as a as a U.S. lawyer and as a U.S. citizen, I guess this is a part of the Korean politics that puzzled me the most. That is seeming like powerlessness of the the National Assembly, the lawmakers in Korea when it comes to like hearings and compelling witnesses to come before you. I mean, if you think about like U.S. congressional hearings, you have the subpoena power. And if you lie, if you perjure yourself, I mean, that's a big deal in the U.S., in Korea, it just seems that, you know, the, the law is there, actually. Like, if you don't appear before Korean National Assembly for uh, hearings and so forth, you can be fined up to 10, 10 million won and or uh, up to five years in imprisonment. The funny thing is that that actually never gets enforced in Korea. If you look at the past uh, cases, the maximum penalty they've handed out is, uh, you know, a few... You know, a few million won fines, basically. So people have been kind of laughing off these uh, requests, and uh, obviously that's kind of the uh, uh, the script that Chesunshil has been following. On top of that, what's been really disturbing in the latest uh, the round of hearings that actually took place in Seoul Detention Center is that. It seems at least the chief of Seoul Detention Center uh, it seems to be under the influence of Chesunshil one we run reason or the other. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the direct questioning by Kim Sung-tae to the, the Seoul Detention Center chief as well as the medical officer at the National Assembly. Basically, you know, Kim Sung-tae asked, asked uh, the medical officer whether Chesunshil is you know healthy enough to appear before the, uh, before the National Assembly, and the medical officer refused to answer. Yeah. I remember it was that. it was just a stunning show of I mean he was obviously feeling some kind of pressure and you know he did say that you know Chesunshil is in overall good health and when it comes to the specific question of whether she's healthy enough to appear before the national assembly he just kept silent yeah. and, and then, it was so obvious that there was some kind of political pressure so, applied to him and you just have to wonder what kind of influence does Chesun should still have there's I mean, been details coming out uh, you're not automatically allotted a, a single a solo jail cell that is mm-hmm. a privilege uh, get granted to you there are yeah. some certain furnishings in the jail cell that are also considered preferential uh, bottles of water you get one a day apparently she gets as many bottles of water a day uh, as she as she wants so uh, some disturbing things whether it is coming from on high we do have have an acting president who is not necessarily on board with the opposition on all this uh, we'll have to see but it is if people are old enough to remember um, the, the huge Iran-Contra scandal I know you remember and mm-hmm. can you imagine if uh, the key figure Oliver North was summoned to testify and he said I have anxiety disorder and therefore I'm sorry but I can't make it I mean it's un- unheard of and in American politics and the federal prison that he's held at suddenly kind of protects right. him from the Congress if that happened in the US I mean the, the popular uproar would be humongous and basically, that's what's happening in Korea right now. Let's get to the final point on this because the special prosecutors called Chesun Shilin for questioning. This was the second time. They, they called her in uh, on Christmas yep. Eve. She is now claiming health reasons to uh, 
uh, fail to appear for the special process. Now, this yep. holds legal weight, and there is, of course, subpoena power, uh, investigative right. powers with the with the prosecution. How are they trying to game this system? I mean, they're going to go for an arrest warrant, if, apparently, but right. uh, it, it's amazing that the central figure can flout the law like this. Well, the special prosecutor's term actually ends in the end, end of February, so I guess the calculation is that let's just you know, pl- uh, you know d- d- delay things as out? long as but- because what, what what needs to happen is the the president actually has to extend the term, and I guess right now the is the acting president who has to extend the term. And uh, the prediction is that you know Hwang Yuan is not likely to do that. So if you just run the clock out until the end of February, basically prosec- a special prosecutor will go away. And I guess the calculation is that Hwang Yuan will have better luck with the regular prosecutor. So I guess that's that, that's the strategy. We've had so many allegations uh, surfacing in regards to Samsung, uh, their role with the National yep. Pension Fund in approving that merger. Uh, some of the other uh, allegations now coming forward that the president intended to take over the K-Sports Foundation, that this was yep. not even a third-person bribery charge, but this was actually a direct bribery charge. Right. Uh, a lot of these other allegations surfacing over the uh, cultural blacklist. Oh, yeah. It would be a shame... If at the end of the day, they were not able to secure the evidence for a conviction, it would be a tragedy if they did not because of the fact that these legal uh, maneuvers uh, somehow are successful in running the clock out. I mean, come on. I mean, we had Choi soon and Park geun administration for the past four years. And they're, they have obviously people in various places. I mean, that's one of their uh, modus operandi. So I think in the under the current makeup of the, the judicial system and the prosecutor's office and so forth, it is really hard to really push things through. So I think unless the, there's a you know change of administration, okay. I think the full accounting of what has ha- happened, I think will be very difficult. And it is uh, something that is certainly frustrating for uh, a lot of people witnessing these events. Well, our uh, political commentator, Professor Huang, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Henry.